right here, so. Oh, we talked about it. Cold talked it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, darn. Oh, shanked it. Oh, look at that line, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy, is he out of sync. Welcome to the Bogey Boys podcast. We're joined today by a bit of a special guest, uh, Duncan McCarthy from Underpin Sports. How are we, Dunk? All good, thank you. Yourselves? Yeah, good. Thanks for coming very on, well, mate. Very well. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. So, Duncan, you're Director of Performance for Underpin Sports. That's right. Yeah. 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 Do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? Just to let everyone know, uh, obviously, who you are and, and your role within that business. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Well, yeah, Underpin started... Um, roughly uh, 18 months ago now, just over. Um, it was kind of um, an idea between myself and my best friend, uh, Greg Robertson. Um, his background's in finance and uh, we'd been discussing a couple of things and what have you. And my background's always been coaching and more of the psychological side of it uh, for the past, God, 12 years. Um, I had my own coaching business for 10 years and we kind of came up with a fusion between what I do on course and how we can support players better off course. Um, there'd been, certainly the players I'd worked with, there'd been a lot of bad examples of that. Um, and Greg, he, he'd he been sponsoring a few players who were with management companies. Um, and just the kind of treatment was, it wasn't great. It could, it could have been done better. And we kind of, we having a few beers and what have you one night and we're just saying, you know what, why don't we just do it? We just do it better with a good culture and care for the players. So we started that and within the business, uh, my role basically is looking after the players on course with the performance and supporting their teams that they've got around them. Uh, Greg's is more, a little bit more, he's he's kind of like, although he's title CEO, he's he's very, very um, smart and clued up in the commercial world. That's been his, his world in the business world for the past, well, God, 20 odd years um, and highly successful in that. So it's a good fusion between the two of us um, working well, got some great players in the stables, in the stable um, and some good corporate partners as well. So it's, yeah, it's all good. Enjoying it at the moment. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Yeah. I mean, we'll obviously we'll come on to the, to how things have gone, but have you found this year with COVID and things has that obviously been a bigger challenge? Cause I imagine this year is completely different in your world to, to what you're used to. Yeah. It's um, been a massive difference. Uh, I think it's, it's it shook a lot of industries um, worldwide in loads of different in loads of different ways. Um, and even this morning, I was speaking to one of the players. And normally, at this time of year, having an end of season kind of debrief, looking back, and I do a bit of a presentation on the stats and what my take is on the year and how and, and a bit of a plan about how I can improve. I actually said to her, I, said, I, can't, "I can't do any of that because you haven't competed because uh, there was no Euro Pro this year." So. I'm sat there going, well, we've got a blank canvas, literally, for the off-season, based on nothing from the, this year. Uh, so you kind of, it's a very, I've never had that before. Normally you're going, do you know what, this was a trend in your performances and this stat's improved, this is lagging behind, this is what I believe we need to do. Um, there's none of that this year, so <clears throat> very different. Uh, I have covered one hell of a lot less miles this year in travel. Yeah. Um, I've not been getting on any uh, two-winged uh, forms of transport this year. Uh, Zoom oh. has been the mainstay. Yeah. Uh, but I tell you what it has taught me, you can still do your job from home. Yeah. Um, is it going to replace travel? No way, because I'm a massive believer in face-to-face um, and being there and observing the players out on the course competing. That's where it matters. Um, so, yeah, a bit, 
for underpin, it's been a great year. We've had a we've had a great year. We've progressed and we've grown, which has been good. And you know, I, I appreciate not a lot of people can say that in the respect to businesses. So we're very thankful for that. Yeah. Just from a um, getting underpin started, you and your friend are obviously there. Did you go and then take loads of the players that you were already coaching and bring them into underpin, or did you actually start underpin and then go reaching out to to players to get them in? No, it was kind of um, a mix, a mix of both, really. Um, I'd, I'd known. Yeah. I mean, I've coached from Euro Pro level up since two thousand and nine, and had some really good successes, um, a fair amount of wins, order merit wins and stuff and what have you, and, and right, taking players right through to main tour, which has been good. Um, but it was kind of a mix between the two, really. Uh, we we just identified the players that we wanted to work with because that's a big thing. Um, you know, we've been approached by a lot of players, but it's not always there, which is okay, it's fine, but um, I'm a massive yeah. believer you, you, you need to work with a certain a certain individual um, that has certain traits. Uh, so we've got a good mix of that and added players naturally and in the right way rather than going, let's just get loads in. Yeah. Um, so, and we're really happy with the stable. We're looking to grow, um, certainly at the higher level. Um, you know, a couple of the boys have been now competing. Three of them have competed at the top level um, in multiple events. And I kind of see that as a progression. Me as a coach, I've got my own goals um, that I want to tick off. Just missed out on one last week, which was a shame, but uh, that'll come. Um, yeah. So I'm passionate about taking on more players at, uh, at the high level and testing myself as a coach. So, well, talk to us about that then, Duncan. About how obviously you got to the position where obviously we know how underpin was established now with 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 you and a close friend. So obviously going back further. So how did you how did you start and get into the game, and how did it progress to the point where you became that that performance coach? Because I understand you were previously a professional golfer yourself, wasn't you? Yeah, I was, yeah. Um, God, I'm going, I mean, as I was saying before, I touched on it earlier with you guys, that uh, football was always my first sport. Uh, I played to a high standard of that. So week in, week out, I was, if I wasn't training or playing, I was round the back in the yard, just kicking a ball against the wall, um, trying to get good with two feet and what have you. And, um, playing weekends, training two, three times a week and what have you. And, uh, went through... The ranks there and I always played golf because my dad's always been he's worked in the golf industry firm he's retired now but worked in the golf industry for 30 odd years um so golf was always part of our uh, in our genes I guess through that but he also played a high standard I mean he played for sort of England boys when he was younger well, a long time ago for him that <laughs> um but uh it was always there so he's always been a good player he took us up to the club when we were youngsters um I had my first round of 18 with a scorecard when I was 13. So I was quite a late, a late comer to the, to the game um, and certainly didn't take it seriously till I was in my 20s, really. Um, I was still playing Iceland in a football and uh, I had a shocking injury there and that was kind of that. Um, carried on playing, but I couldn't play the level I was at. And I was like, I finished uni, graduated, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to set, I'm going to set some goals here, three goals each year, see if I can achieve them. I worked part-time to earn some money and I achieved what I wanted to. And then I hit a crossroads. Do I turn pro or do I go work? Um, and I got offered a job by Nike, um, got taken out to Amsterdam to their HQ and, and I didn't take the job. I just didn't feel it was right for me at the time. And then I got offered a job with uh, Footjoy, went down to, uh, to get an interview for them and they offered me it. And I just suddenly kind of thought, oh, I better take it because I've just turned one down with Nike. I've now got an offer with Footjoy. How many how many of the leading companies are you going to keep turning down? So I, I went for it. 
what what an organization to work for just phenomenal individuals and people um i loved it but sat behind a desk for me four or five days a week was not was not me um and it was a hard decision but i um I kind of uh, I resigned from my post, I left on great terms with them, still speak to most of them now, great people, and um, and took that road, turned pro and, and see where it led. Um, and I kind of played Euro Pro for three years. And in that final year, I'd been coaching Chris Hansen for, since 2009. And then in 2011, he won the Auto Merit. He had three wins that year and I'd played awful. Um, yeah, all right. I was taking painkillers before every round nearly for my knee, but that was by the by. I played crap cough. Um, <laughs> and it was a look in the mirror moment. And I just thought, you know what? I think you can have an impact on other players' games. Um, yeah. So I just went full time with it um, and then just rolled from there. So it's kind of, I loved it as a pro. It gave me good experiences. Um, I think you get a form of respect off the players that you work with now because they know that you've at least competed at, at at a certain standard, yeah, um, so you, you can relate to what they're saying. Um, and also, before golf, I was working with lots of sports people, footballers, gymnasts, snooker players, um, motorsports, swimmers, lots of different sports. So it's amazing what you can take from one sport and, and transfer into another. So it gave me a good broad sort of scope for filtering into the sport that I love, uh, golf. So Amazing. So, hey, Duncan, you know what's actually mad that you've contacted us to come on and speak now because you are literally the middle, and you're the middle, like you're, you're joining people up, like to take performance and psychology and professional. But in our podcast, we've got the professional roots of professionals and we've got a couple of like psychology little roots going as well. So you're like a double header between the, the two of them. So it's just Boston <laughs> to be, to be, to be <laughs> hearing about it, to be honest. No, it it's is because it's perfect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah, like yeah. like Kev's saying there, we obviously we've done the professional route now. We've got about done about nine or ten interviews. We we've interviewed one of the lads on your stable, Tom Gandhi, as well. Um, and obviously, what we're what what we're getting from that is giving good insight to our listeners about what it takes to to get to that level to become a professional. But it's perfect now to get get someone like yourself on who can take it that step further and somebody who's managing these players and and coaching these players and guiding them in the right direction. So just talk us. Talk us through that process and obviously what it is actually you do on a day-to-day basis and how you pick these players up when maybe they're feeling down or or how these type of things work and how you, you set the goals and, and, and what it is that you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, daily basis um, is a mix between, um, first and foremost, working with the players. Um, honestly, some of the players in the stable, I speak to a hell of a lot because it's it's a two-way thing. It can't just be me contacting them and, and putting the work on them and discussing this and that. It's got to be two-way. Um, and some players are more forthcoming than others. Um, so that's And that's fine. That's okay. As long as it works well, uh, everyone's different. So on a day-to-day basis, it's the players making sure they're, they're in a good place, performing, um, progressing. But then also I do, I do um, coaching with some of our corporate partners and their individuals and teams as well because – there's a lot of overlaps between sport and business. And my take on it is it's very, very simple. In sport, you're trying to get results through people. And in business, you're trying to get results through people. So the overlaps and principles are very, very similar. Um, yeah. So it's a fusion between that. Ultimately, it's my job, my role really is is kind of a combination of three things. I'm either directing a player, I'm coaching a player, or at times I'm just supporting a player um, and being in a year. 
um, where they don't really require any information. They just actually just want to vent and get something off the chest. And that's my, that's for me to understand what role to play at that moment in time. Mm. Um, which am I going to be out of those three? Do they need a bit of direction? Do they need some advice and information for coaching? Or do they actually just need support of, you know, someone to lend an ear, uh, let them get it off the chest? So it's kind of a mix of those three. And when you look at that fusion, yes, performance coach now is, you know, in the last few years, it seems that there's everybody's getting into that performance coach title. And I look at it and individually you can do, different things you can you can work and get a world-class swing you can work and and think to a world-class level you can work on your body and nutrition to a world-class level so you can do all the individual things very very well but for me performance is the ability to pull all those together and go and execute those things and in in different situations on the golf course and if you can do that exactly and if you can do that to a world-class level then you've got a chance of making a career out of it and putting bread and butter on your table by playing this great game. But there's a lot of players who do all those three things, four things, whatever, however they view it, really, really well, but they fall down when they get on the first tee. And for me, that's that's what I'm trying to bridge, is that that's how I see my role. Can, sometimes they're in, honestly, sometimes a player is in a crap, in a crap situation. They just yeah. feel horrific. The game's not good. And honestly, there is... I'm not a fan of positive or negative or especially false positives. That doesn't cut it. What I am a big believer in is, is it helpful thinking or is it unhelpful? And sometimes you've got a player who's going to be on the tee and half an hour, they're feeling horrific. Do you know what? <laughs> you've got to find a way through it. You've got to dig deep. That's where you dig into your soul and you, and you talk about the human behaviours and the human instincts. That's got to come out because the golf game's struggling skill-wise. So, you know, you, you don't know what you're going to get university you learn all the academia and the understanding of how the inner workings work but in the real world you don't know when that phone rings and you pick it up and you go hey Coops how are you doing and he goes mate I feel horrific I don't know what's coming is it going to be I feel horrific or is it going to be oh I'm feeling great unfortunately yeah. it's not the feeling great a lot but yeah um, see mm-hmm. you got to think on your feet you've got to be quick has he got 10 minutes is he in his room laying down chilling out is, is he receptive to information? Is he on the move? Is he in the players' lounge? Are the people listening? So you've got it. You've got all these things going through your mind, and you've got to take them on board and, and deliver the message clear and to the point, because that's what they want ultimately. So, do you ever find yourself getting stuck in between, like, say, if someone comes like I'm feeling this, and then you start giving them a lot of like, like positivity or like whatever, and then all he wants is a swing change? Have you ever been in that sort of position? Do you know, like, do you get, oh, you've got you've got it wrong. It's hard to differentiate what person you need to be. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it, it I mean, the players that I'm working with now, they have, they have those people in place. And, and I think one of the most important things to understand in a team is everybody understand their role. So yeah. if you've got a, a fitness trainer in place, that fitness trainer needs to understand his role, which is basically the player's body is my job. They need to be free of injury. They need to be getting stronger, more flexible, better balance, all those traits that you're looking for physically. So that's their role. If you've got a swing coach in play, that swing coach needs to know their role as well, which is right. Technically, are they making the right moves with the golf club and putting in the position that we're working towards? That's their role. My role is, right, I'm not going to talk to him about his takeaway. I'm not going to talk to him about getting on the squat rack and doing more squats because he needs stronger glutes or whatever. I need to understand my role and it is the human being behind the performance and where they're at 
personally and professionally. And also the performance traits in terms of how's your decision making? What's your commitment like to the decisions? What's your acceptance like after the golf shot? What's your self-talk like in between shots? What's your preparation like? What are you doing in your downtime? Who are you spending your time with? That's my job. I need to understand that and not overlap. And if a player starts saying, oh, it just felt horrible dunking my swing and da-da-da, I'll listen, I'll let him get it out, and then I'll politely tell him to ring his swing coach. <laughs> his job. Uh, so, it's, you know, that's where the directing comes in. Direct the player in the right direction. You know, you yeah. won't go to your accountant for marketing advice. You go to your marketing department or your marketing person. So, um, but that's it's it's good that because was, like I just mentioned there the, with with the professional route we're getting players who are there at the time and what it takes to become a professional. But obviously, what type of advice could you give to like a young aspiring amateur who's not at that level yet, who's mm. probably wanting to make those decisions? And okay, we're giving them advice from a professional perspective, as to say, as a professional, you take this route because you you're good enough. Mm-hmm. As a play from a playing ability, but what advice would you give like the youngest Spartan amateurs uh, when they when they need to make that bigger decision about what tour they want to enter, which, which route they want to take when when they turn professional, how to get help, and what what type of things can you do there? Yeah, good question. Uh, so you got, you know, there's there is a lot. There's a, there's a lot more now because of social media. This is not just in golf either; it's in the world, isn't it? So information's literally at the end of our fingertips. And you can get insights now through social media, which is great. So then you see all the lifestyles that the top 20 in the world are living, top 50 in the world are living. And everybody, all youngsters now are like, oh, golf's cool. God, he's wearing he's wearing that. They're getting younger. Look at the life. They're on a plate. They're on a private jet. Look at this car. So more and more want it, which is wonderful. It's great for the game. More are getting into it. But then comes the professional side of it, of that's wonderful that you've seen all that and it kind of motivates you. But take that away and the actual reality of it is that once you get there, up to that top 50 in the world, sure, doors open for you and, and, and there's financial benefits, but you can't be doing it for the financial benefits right down here. It's got to be for something bigger, always something bigger. Even when you get there, it's not for that. It's for something bigger to fulfill potential, to give back to whatever. So your reasons have got to be massive beyond that, what's put in the social media. But when you're younger and you're looking, do I make the transition? Do I not? Number one, what's the evidence that you can see which would say, do you know what? I could, I, I think I, I should, I could be able to cut it in a professional game. What evidence, what results have you had in the amateur game? Because if you've, if you've played at sort of county level and you've, you know, you've had top fives in some county events and you've done all right and you got to final qualifying one year for the Open and you're playing off scratch, I don't want to put your fire out, but actually there's a lot of guys that I know who, uh, me included now as well, I'm at status back, who are playing off scratch and plus handicaps, working full time. So that doesn't put you in necessarily a, a special category, but if you can look look at it and go, do you know what? I've ticked all my boxes as an amateur that I wanted to do. And you don't have to play for England. You don't have to play Walker Cup, but you've ticked all your boxes. You've done everything. You've got some evidence that you're trending in the right direction. You're progressing. Then, sure, go for it. Why not? Why would you not? There's going to be enough people saying, oh, you're not good enough. You're not that. Honestly, who cares? It's their opinion. They're entitled to it, but leave it over there. So if you want to go do it, fine, that's great. So you make the decision to turn pro. Now you're into a new pond. No one gives two oops what you did as an amateur, even if you play Walker Cup or for England or whatever. No one cares. It's a brand new pond and there's some bigger fish in there. 
So you need to learn to swim very, very fast if you're going to be successful and, and out there for a long time. And, the, and life on tour, your first tour potentially is going to be Euro Pro. That's not, that's not a full-time tour in terms of all year round yet. It's a phenomenal tour. I love it to bits, but it's 16 weeks of the year. So how are you filling the other 10 weeks, which is what the equivalent to European tour play, 20, 25 yeah. events? So do you go to Portugal, play Portugal Pro Tour? Do you play 2020 Tour? How are you going to fill it? Do you play Jamaica down south? So look at your schedule and outline it. Okay, that's great. You've outlined it. By the way, you need to get a Euro Pro Tour card. Right, you better get entered into that. So what have you got to do to progress through that? And it's it always comes back to the same thing. You need to be waking up when you're working, waking up and going, my question today is how am I getting better at this game? What am I going to do today to get myself one step closer? And you just keep getting your reps in, get your days in, successful day after successful day, achieve one, two, three things a day, small things, and watch that climb up. But once you're out there, for me, the biggest one piece of advice I'd give anybody, and it's not really just for golf or just on tour, is just be careful of who you spend your time with. Yeah. You know, are you spending time with people who've got aspirations to improve and progress? Or are you spending time with people who are actually quite comfortable where they're at? Which is fine, but it's not a problem that. But if you have aspirations to improve, you're going to eventually have to leave them behind, which sounds awful, but it's your life. And if you want to go up there, you're going to have you're going to jump into new ponds. Yeah. So be really careful who you sat in a player's lounge with. Is it negative talk about, oh, I can't believe I'm playing so bad and, oh, God, a four weeks I've been out here and I ate it. Honestly, that would drain the life out of me. Yeah. Or he sat there with people who were going, yeah. oh, I've just seen a 20-footer that I drained. God, I tell you what, I'm playing good golf. Or, or someone who's just not talking about golf, who's just chatting about life and chatting about whatever. Uh, that's Just be careful of the people you spend time with. I would say that that is massively important when you turn pro. Be careful with that. Really good, yeah. I mean, so in addition to that insight then, obviously what, what have you got from a – obviously because what we've found when we've spoken to them is how – financially how difficult it is when you're first starting uh, and we, we heard stories about players who will potentially work all winter to fund the the first couple of events in Euro Pro and if it doesn't work out for them they've had to drop down to less expensive tours and, and so on and so forth so have you got any advice or is there anything from like the financial perspective for for the young what what the best route to take is and what to do from that perspective yeah uh, it's a good question and it's in it the financial side is brutal um it, it is hard because you essentially your income is going to come from on course because at the lower level, it's hard to get sponsorship. That's the, that's the bottom line. It's really hard because as a business, why are you just going to pump some money into an, a lad on Euro Pro? What are you, what's your return? What are you getting back for it? You know, if they've got 15,000 followers and they're on Euro Pro, you might look at it and go, we want social media coverage for our products and, and it's in line with them. Fine. That's very rare. So then you look at it and go, well, what, what as a player can I give them back rather than take? What can I give them back? So that's hard. <clears throat> but I've had conversations with players on the main tour and European tour, and they're talking about deals off course and it's worth this amount, this amount, five figures and what have you. You have one good week on tour, you can win six, six figures. So if you wake up every morning and get better at the game, you'll earn six figures. So even when you're at the top level, sponsorship is not really, should never be a priority. It's a little bonus, and if it fits in, great. You'll always earn more on course. McElroy stops earning money on course. Your sponsorship's going to go down. 
Yeah. Because why? Because if he's earning less yeah. money, his rankings are going down, he's falling, he's slipping. So number one priority as a player, performance, performance, performance. Let the rest fit in, slot in. But when you when you're new to the pro ranks, finances are hard. Some have to go out and work through winter and just take the hit and go, I'm not going to do a lot um, work-wise on my game. I'm going to have to go to the range in the evening. I'm going to have to get the most out of those sessions and on a weekend. Monday to Friday, I'm going to have to go get my head down, graph eight till four or something, eight till five, get my money in and do that. So <clears throat> you that's one route. The other route is if you've got some money in the bank or you've got a little bit of support, back yourself. Yeah. Back yourself. Yeah. Less and less lads are willing to back themselves Go, if it's 200 quid for an entry fee and there's nothing else to play in and you're not doing anything else apart from practicing, put put your 200 quid in that pot and go back yourself and you'll trip up four, five, six times and you'll lose all that, those 200 quids. Eventually, though, you'll be stronger and you'll win a grand and you'll win two grand. There's your money back. And that's how I view it. I mean, Marcus is a good example, Max Armitage. And I remember back in 2013, we were in our second stint. We worked in 09 and then he kind of left and he, his life spiraled out of control a bit. Came back in 13. We sat in Moretown's clubhouse and he wanted to work with me again. And I said, no problem, right? This and that's so where the chat. And he broke down in tears in front of me and he was in a real mess. And I said, mate, I said, I get that you don't trust yourself at the moment, but until you're ready to trust yourself, trust me. I promise I won't let you fall. And he did. And in 13, we looked at it and he owed a lot of money and he had no, nothing at all. But he was working a little bit, and I said that money put it into um, the eighteen thirty six tour events. Play one dayers. You're gonna have to build your money up for that. Whilst you're doing that, let's go to Tour School Euro Pro. Get your card, so at least you've got it. Now he he got his card, but he couldn't afford to go to Euro Pro. So we said build up, build up in the eighteen thirty six, and he kept going out and he kept backing himself, and he kept he won a few. He had top five, so he was picking up a bit of cash. Then when we decided, right, let's go to Conqueror Wood, play the island Euro Pro, right at that moment, and this is where I'm a big believer in like law of attraction, right at that moment when he decided that, guy, a guy came along and went, I'll sponsor you for that event. I'll pay for it. You're like, That's what happens when you're willing to put yourself up. He backs himself. A guy comes along, I'll pay for it, goes out, wins Conqueror Wood, his first ever Euro Pro. Ten grand in bank. Amazing. So, and, but I look at that. And the moral of that story is not, oh, wonderful, what a lovely story that is, and he won and blah, blah, blah. The moral of the story is right back in the depths of winter when it's a crappy place for someone who's not on main tour going to Dubai and where Australia and China and this competing. In the UK especially, it's miserable. It's damp. You're not earning a lot of money. He was willing to back himself. Amazing. And that's what it comes down to. Exactly, exactly. Like, you know when you said there about like you've got to go and um, work maybe to earn money and then you've got to go to the range in the evening. It's like starting, like you can obviously golf's a lot, you've got to put a lot more effort in, but it's like starting any new business where you've got to invest more time in new things in life. You've got to work through it after your, your nine to five, haven't you? Do you know what I mean? Oh, I, I couldn't agree more, Kev. It's, it's, it's exactly that. It's not just golf. It, I've worked with footballers who are now, well, one of them's an international footballer playing in the Premier League, he there was no cameras on him when he was younger, but the time and effort that he put into it, the graft, and now people look at him going, wow, he's just signed for that amount, that many million. Oh, my God, what a life he's living. Well, he is, but you didn't see the time 
where he turned around and went, I'm going to do extra. I'm yeah. going to do more because it's yeah. the only thing I'm going to do for a living. I want to do that. And his brother is playing uh, professional football as well in, the, in this country. Same attitude, relentless pursuit of improving and, and fulfilling potential. And everybody does it in everything. Our first year with Underpin, everybody uh, will only see the front end and go, oh, yeah, it looks really professional. Love that. Love what it's about. Good vibe you're putting out there. Behind the scenes, the grind, the graph that was going on, it was frightening. Yeah. That was to get the get the train moving in the right direction. Once it's moving, you've got momentum, you're off and you flow, you keep putting putting your time in. But I, I have a simple thing that I, I keep coming back to. I am not bothered about somebody who is highly motivated and wants to work hard on the good days. I'm interested in are you willing to do that on your bad days and when you're not feeling great. And if you can make progress on your worst day, tell you what, <clears throat> it's there for the taking. Yeah. But not many people can do that extra mile. Yeah. yeah so I'm looking at another thing when you talk about the extra mile, and I've noticed a little video that you put up about um, your mornings. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> so I went to a meditation course uh, last weekend, and um, he brought this, this uh, miracle morning thing forward to us and was like, you know, wake up, like cold shower, meditate, and then attack the day if you can win your morning. And it's literally the same as you were saying about the bad days. I woke up with a bit of a hangover and I woke up and just thought I'm going to still do it. And I felt so much better for doing it than just like not doing it to me on, on my bad days. But I noticed you're, you're, you've got the same sort of mindset when it comes to the morning, you can, you can roll forward with momentum for the rest of the day. Yeah, you, you can, Kev. Yeah, absolutely. And but and by the way, you know I, that sort of stuff that you've listened to from me, I don't say that from a point of view of I'm perfect and I get it right. Therefore, it gives me a right to say that I'm human as well. And we have good mornings, poor mornings. You wake up feeling absolutely knackered and game over and like hungover at times. Other mornings, you jump out of bed and you're like, bring it on. I'm I'm ready for it. That's the that's the part of living. You you need those up and downs. Yeah. The sign that you're living but if you have a morning routine the reason you have routines is it's a go-to it becomes a habit and over time it's something that you trust because it will produce the goods on a regular basis that's why like a pre-shot routine is important in golf it's it's the fashionable yeah. thing now let's work on pre-shot routine but actually do you know the meaning behind the pre-shot routine it's something that's going to help you under pressure because by the time you get into the pressurized situation to where there's a you're in contention or something You'll, have trust, you'll trust it and you need something to trust. So your morning routine is massively important because you look at a day and imagine a train in a station. Your job in the morning is to get the train out of the station, get it moving. And your next station that you're going to end the day at is your goal for the day. <clears throat> so how are you going to get that train moving out of the station? If it's a five, 10 minute meditation, if it's a cold shower, if it's both of those, if it's a healthy breakfast, if it's all three of those, if it's exercise, if it's whatever it is, find your reason for having a morning routine and just be relentless in trying to do that as often as you can. And I say as often as you can because life's not that perfect. You won't achieve it every morning. But what I don't want people to do is go, oh, I, I didn't do it twice this week and spend yeah. the time beating themselves up. That's not helpful give yourself a kick up the backside if you need it but actually let's focus on the five days that you did do it how did you feel on the back of that well I felt great right wonderful do you want those feelings again yeah I do right let's go and let's go do it tomorrow yeah, so yeah. yeah it's important and same with nighttime routine people can't sleep it's a great thing to get into a, a nighttime routine where they struggle to switch off and and just fall asleep and the only reason to fall asleep is because they're exhausted that's not 
that healthy, you want to go to sleep because you're ready to sleep and rest for the next day. So evening routines are good as well. Yeah, well, I find that myself personally. Um, I can't sleep. I'm not a night person. I can't sleep at all. I've, my mind's doing a million and one things, thinking about tomorrow, thinking about the weeks ahead and everything. So, yeah, I think I could do personally with getting myself into a bit more of a night routine because then when I wake up the next morning, I can't survive without a coffee, if I'm honest. It's a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right, though, on these things. Obviously, when you... When you do wake up and you maybe I've got a good night's sleep or I haven't been drinking one weekend, so feel great on a Sunday, for example. Um, it, the endorphins it releases and the way you feel, even just off one or two gym sessions in the week, how, how better you feel about yourself. It gives you that like positive mindset, I imagine, and it makes you want to strive to achieve more, doesn't it? Because you're thinking in the right way. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's like you know, like you say there, Mark, about you know you can't can't get started without the coffee. That's not a bad thing. If the coffee is, is is part of your routine, have it. I'm exactly the same. I've yeah. got I've got my coffee machine sat proudly on the worktop. That ain't going anywhere because that button needs to get pressed in the morning. <laughs> Need that coffee, and I'm like, right, we're off. Yeah. Make make breakfast for the two boys and, and the missus. Jobs are good, and they're off and running. I've helped them get their day off to a good start by just supporting them and getting breakfast ready, which makes me feel good. I then crack on with my day, and off we go. And that so the routine's really important. Just identify what everyone everyone at any time can have a blank canvas to work from. Literally, just get a notebook, get a piece of paper, write down in the middle of it morning routine, and then write arms off it and get, and create your own picture of what a great morning routine looks like to you. Because everyone's situation's different, so I can't give can't give you two the same re- routine as me yeah. as Billy Bob down the road and Sheila up the other way. Because yeah. everyone's got a different situation, so. There's your canvas, right in the middle, my morning routine or Mark's morning routine, Kev's morning routine. Write down, create the picture of what what are the things you want involved in it. Just go smash it. Make the commitment to yourself. Go smash it. Well, great stuff, mate. It's amazing, amazing insight That's you get here, yeah. You know, um and as well, Duncan, you know, one thing that you can say for everybody, but nighttime routine to start with is switching your phone off or oh. putting it down, because that is what keeps people up at night. It's unreal. So do you know there's a reason why you boys probably know this, but and I, I, by the way, I don't I, I don't claim to know loads about it, but like with social media posts, they say that evenings are a good time to post because a lot of people are online. There's your proof, Kev. Yeah. There's yeah. your proof. Exactly. Yeah. You say that if people weren't on it, and I I do this sometimes. You'll be you'll switch off from the evening and you're like oh, put 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 my favorite program on watch watch whatever. So you sat there having a bit of downtime and what have you. You might have a bit of music and you're just chilling. But if you've got the TV on, the amount of times you've got your phone in your hand, and, I, and I, yeah. I'm putting myself up on it more now where I'm going, hold on, I've got two screens here. Do one of the other dunk. Yeah, Do yeah. So then most of the time I'm like, phone's going out of the room. Right, watch this. It's frightening. Easily yeah. distracted. Yeah, I do that all the time myself, yeah. Telly's on and I've got the phone. If on. I find myself sometimes waking up, checking the time and then just going on Instagram and I'm like, it's four in the morning, what am I doing here? <laughs> and you can't get back to sleep because you've seen something on Instagram and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it sucks you in. I tell you what, the psychology of that stuff, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. But I, I do I do think that mobile, and I don't know how old you guys are, but I remember, well, I was talking about this recently, that back in uni days when we used to go out, and, and even before uni and what have you, you go out into town and they were the best days because mobile phones had just come in, but all you had them for was text messages and calls. That was it. So there was no, there was yeah. no um, sort of 
women taking pictures in toilets thinking it's cool and <laughs> you know all of that and oh yeah give me yeah. get here and selfies and all that there was none of that because you were too busy enjoying yourself there was no social media then your social media was social interaction not social yeah. media and now it's yeah. that come here let's just just let everyone else know they're having a good time it's like if you're having that good a time you you wouldn't have time to get your phone in your hand and everyone gets sucked into it but I do think that mobile phones are a great thing. They make my life easier, work-wise. They're convenient. But I think what we need to learn individually and collectively is a new skill set to, to work, have them work for us rather than against us. Like you say, Kev, you know, waking up and, and, and check the time and you end up on Instagram. It's that kind of how do we learn that skill set of, no, that's not helpful for me? Because you know yeah. it's not. But at the time, you're like, oh, my God. I've just been on it for 15, 20 minutes. What have I done there? It's even moving it out of reach, isn't it? Something as simple as that. Just don't put it in, into reach. I mean, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you need to know the time, then get out. you get yourself out of bed and then you'll soon stop doing it because nobody wants to get out of bed in the middle of the night, do they? Exactly. I mean, we keep putting the chocolates yeah. out of reach of the kids. I need to do the same with my mobile. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of them as well. It's like it's it, even the technology companies themselves, they 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 after get attention every five seconds with with posting with all different stuff. But even they're sending out screen time reports to everyone, so you can actually see how much you're online. Do you know what I mean? So it's like if you can check them and get them down every week, you're going to be aiming toward being on your phone less. And if you actually check the screen time and how many times you pick up your phone a day, you'll be shocked by it about you. Oh, without that, I've done it. Do you know what, Kev? As well that you you kind of relate that back to what we're talking about before about youngsters coming up into the game and wanting to take it as on as a living. How many, how many players that I see with a mobile phone in the pocket or on them and, and they're on it. And it's like, I, I am all for having good or trying to achieve good balance in life. You, you can't work and just exhaust yourself. Sometimes you've got to listen and go, I need a bit of downtime. So I, I'm all for that. And I advise that to players at times, just take a week off, just put your clubs away and rest, come back, re-motivated. But the, the, that's a massive distraction for players who claim to be wanting to become one of the world's best or claim that they want to be a, a European tour player and winner for 10, 15 years. Yet they're, they're checking the phone every five or 10 minutes. I remember, uh, where was it? Uh, Germany, the BMW, was it BMW, Porsche? It was either BMW International or the Porsche Open. And there was a player that um, I just started working with. And uh, and I, I, stepped, I was about 30 yards away from him. I was at the back of the range, just observing his behaviours and what he was doing. And every every two to three minutes, he was checking his phone. And, and I could just tell in his body language, he was uneasy being there. It was his first time out on the main tour. He wasn't comfortable. He was checking his phone. It was like a comfort thing for him. Yeah. And I just yeah. thought, that session cannot be any quality, have any quality to it. Yeah, you go down the line, not that event, but you go down the line at a major or a WGC. Brooks Kepka hasn't got his phone in his pocket. DJ hasn't got his phone in his pocket. That's in the bag, in the jewellery pouch, probably with a beautiful watch. And <laughs> and it'll come out when he's finished his work. Yeah. It's, it's true. You look at that and you go, there's another piece of advice I'd give any youngster. When you're working, put the bloody phone away. Put yeah. it away. The, the obviously the insight you're giving there to the amateurs is brilliant, but obviously just sort of flipping that on its head. Have you ever had any pros in the game who've maybe been on the European tour? I know you spoke briefly about Marcus there, um, but 
they've been on the tour. They've they've sort of finished top 100 in, in the order of merit. They're in a decent wedge. And then all of a sudden, they're dropping down to challenge tour. And obviously, the mental toughness that, that comes with that. And obviously, what advice would you give to those pros who are coming the other way? Yeah, it's a good question. Again, it, do you know what? I've got, I've got an example of that. Marcus in uh, 17, 16, 15, in 2015, um, in 13, we worked together and he won that Euro Pro. Um, at the end of that year, he, he went separate ways. Um, he, he, he didn't want to work together and work with someone else. It, so through 14, he was working with this other guy. And then at the end of 14, he, he rang me and said, oh, don't something in the right mess. I've made a bad decision again. Can we work together? So we, we met up. <clears throat> and in 2015, we uh, committed to what we wanted to do. He won twice. Uh, Cumberwell and Close Outs. I was on the bag for that, actually, Karin. And um, he won those two, got his top five, got his Challenge Tour card for the next year, went out. And actually, I'll give you another insight, um, another story just on the way to, to answering that. That year, we got... Uh, was it... Oh, man, where was it? Down at Oxford. Um, it'll come to me. He was playing in the English Challenge and he was flying. No drop shots, nothing. 36 hole, and he was top 10 at the time, 36 hole, nine on a par five, out of nowhere. Just, where's that come from? And it was quite tightly squeezed, and he and he, he ended up just making the cut after that. And I thought, he's done this loads. He'll have one hole where he just blows out. What What's going on here? I need to find the answer to this. So anyway, I did a bit of routing. And that year, Jordan Smith was number one in the rankings, and Marcus was 91st. And I looked at it and the birdie count between the two was hardly anything. Marcus was making enough birdies to compete at the top of the order merit. But double bogeys and worse, wow. That, it was scary. I can't remember the numbers exactly. I can't remember yesterday, let alone a few years ago. <laughs> um, he, uh, his double bogeys and were, um, worse were shocking. So anyway, I've written this long report to him, emailed it to him. And I, and I, before I press send, press send, I was thinking it's Wednesday of the Irish Challenge. Do I send this to him the day before, the night before? He pegs it up. And I thought, do you know what? I'm, I'm listening to my gut. So I press send. He rings me 10 minutes later. Mate, that's amazing. That, that's unbelievable. I went, I'm glad you said that because that took me a long time to get that to, together. So he says, well, what do you suggest? And I said, this is going to sound negative and backward, but if you play this week and your worst score in a hole is bogey, you're probably going to perform really well because the front end is absolutely top draw. So he was like, no, no, I get you, I get you. He went out, worst cut score was a bogey and he finished second. That's wow. when it kicked off. When it, So you talk about, oh, I want to hit it straight or longer, I want to hold more putts, I want to chip it tighter. That's fine. But how about improving your worst shots off the tee, your worst shots into green, narrow the miss down. So then he goes to, that kicked us on and he had a second there and he went on a few other good finishes. Went to China and he won the Foshan Open um, and, it, and it kind of spiralled from there and that got him his challenge, his European tour card because he finished top 15 or whatever it was that year. So he's gone Euro Pro one year, challenge the next, European tour the next. So 2017, we go out, I said, I'll do three weeks with you early because otherwise I wouldn't see him for a long time. So we went out, we did um, Abu Dhabi, Qatar and Dubai. The Dubai does a classic. So we did those three weeks, got some really good work in and what have you. And the, the year rolled out from there and I went to a few other events with him. And then he he just stopped listening. Just 
wasn't really taking any information in anymore and I was getting frustrated. I'm just like, what's the point in this? And it came to a head and he just said, mate, I'm, I think we need to sort of part ways. I'm like, fine, no problem. Um, so he did that and then he lost his card. And that's, you know, in, in answer to your question, he losing having that faster climb to then poof, straight back down to challenge. Tough, really, really tough. So in 18 and 19, um, is that right? Yes, in 18... No, in eight, 2018, we didn't work together and the rest of 17. And he just went down. His rankings were down. And then at the end of 19, a week before second stage of tour school, he rang me. And this is, you know, this is, this is sort of the answer bit of it. He rang me just in a right, real mess. Um, he, he wanted to work with me all that year in 2019. I said, no, no, I just, I don't need the head, head noise from it and everything. Um, and then at the end of the year, I asked, right, I said, I'll meet you in Geno's at the Springs just down the road from me. Uh, met up, started chatting and he, again, broke down in tears and got quite emotional. I said, man, I'm just, I'm facing literally bankruptcy and no no category on challenge or anything. Um, I don't know what to do. I need, I need your help. I know you've, every time we work together, we've improved and gone up the rankings. And I'm like, why do you keep leaving? My God. <laughs> Anyway, um, so, so he, we sat there and I said, right, mate, I said, you've got tour school next week. I said, we've got to find a way just to get through it. Just find a way to get through it. We'll do it together, but we'll literally try and wing it through it. Because what really can you do a, a week before? There's not a lot. Um, so I just got him engaged in uh, having a sense of achievement again every day. What three things do you want to achieve today? Even if it was go play nine holes do a performance game on the putting green and do some chipping. Even if it's that, just tick them off. Get that sense of I'm achieving here again because he hadn't had that for a long time. So he went out and and got through second stage, got to final stage, got his tour card, which was just amazing. Um, and, you know, you can't, this year he's gone from, when we started working again, he was 13,386 or something like that in the world. He's now top 200, around 200 or something. I think he might finish 202 or something. Yeah. But the climb's been phenomenal. There's not many players who do that. But I reminded him on Saturday, actually, last week in the Tour Champs, we had a real sort of heart-to-heart. And he was he was quite down about a few things and what have you that week. And um, anyway, I won't go into those details. But I just reminded him, I said, Marcus, I, I, get, I get where we're working to. And this is just a stop off. But honestly, press pause, mate. Press pause and look back where you were 12 months ago because you were sat across the table from me with tears coming down your eyes going, I don't know what to do, mate. You're the one who can help me. You're the one who can help me. So sometimes we've got to stop, press pause, look at where we were, look at where we've come to and just keep keep chipping away. So it can happen a lot and I've seen it where they've fallen and it, what he's shown this year from tour school getting through has been nothing but grit and desire. Human skill, human skill. That not golf. Human. You know the way he like he keeps leaving you, and like you keep taking him back. Like you know, like when a, a man and a woman keep breaking up and getting back together. Do you get any of your friends saying like, "Don't be taking him back"? <laughs> <laughs> I sit, I sit with a pint like that. Oh, he's doing my editing. He treats you like he treats you like shit. Don't be taking him back. <laughs> nah, he's, uh, my, you know. Uh, I said to, I reminded him on Saturday. I was stood at the bottom of the garden, and uh, and he'd said something to me, um, and he got quite upset about it. What he'd said, uh, just because it meant a lot to him. 
and he and, um, and he says, uh, "This is me. That means so much to me. You saying that?" I said, "Well, I'll tell you what I said in 2013. You were not ready to trust yourself, and I said to you, trust me until you're ready to trust yourself again. I won't let you fall. I went, and I still stand by that now. I still." Yeah. You, you have never, ever not improved when we've been working together. And sometimes, as your ranking goes up, you forget about that. And you get blinded by the bright lights of where you've got to. Don't. Don't. Turn those lights off because you're in control of the key. Turn the lights off. Remember who was there when you first started, who's got you to here, which shows you can improve with that person. So now we just keep going and we have to up our game again. And we're yeah. already chatting about next year and where we, what we wanted to achieve. You just keep doing it. You you work to some yeah. like I said before, leave one station, get to the next. Right, how are we getting to the next? Do it, do it, do it. You got to keep refining yourself, not reinventing yourself, just re- refining, improving. It's, uh, but it's like you say, he's in the biggest pond now as well, isn't he? So it's all the fish that are going to be in the pond are around them, aren't they? Really, unless you go to the PGA Tour and and you're dealing with DJs and all that, but and, and majors, but like you. As far as the, the golf, you're being towards the biggest, isn't it? So, yeah, it is. And last week, you know, let's, let's be honest, it's a hell of a field last week. You've got yeah. ex world number ones, you've got uh, major champions, you've got Order of Merit winners, you've got WGC winners, Rolex winners. That is a special elite group of people to be in for that week. Yeah. And, and I actually yeah. said to him earlier in the week, I said, mate, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. You will look at this similar to Abu Dhabi when you played there early this year wow, look at the faces here, which is a step up from regular tour events. But what you've got to remember is you're not in their world. You're in Marcus Armitage's world, and Marcus's world has taken him to this environment. And now it's about us showing the world-class behaviours that we've shown already, the commitment to our game and our performance, and we go and execute that in our world, which just so happens to have other top-class people around us. And, you know, people are always in and out of our comfort zones. And yeah. those who are willing to be out of it more are the ones who tend to progress. They'll trip up a lot, but they'll bloody progress. Yeah. No, see, the, the work you're doing sounds amazing, mate. Honestly, like getting the, getting the lads, and like you said at the very beginning, it shows that there's a real passion there to to want to do the right thing for the lads, and which has maybe not been... In, on, on, in and around the tours in, in the past. So obviously moving forward and what's, what does the future look like for, for the business and, and what, what are the plans for you guys moving forward? Yeah, I mean, for the business, honestly, we've got big plans. Um, you know, we want to be working with the, with the world's best players. Um, I've, as a coach, I've got, I've, I outlined my goals quite a long time ago um, and I've achieved a lot of them already. Um, and now the next ones are, they're a big step up. They're going to challenge me as a coach. Um, I have to keep making sure that I'm developing and progressing as a coach. I don't want to be the same type of coach in a year as I am today. I want to be a better version. Um, so with that, I let my players know, or some of them know about my goals if they ask about it, because it, it'll help them go, hold on, I've got a coach who's driven. He's wanting to achieve his goals. But the hell, I want to help him achieve them because he wants to help me achieve mine. So I think that's healthy. Lead by, lead by example. Exactly, Kev. Yeah, exactly. So it's I've got I've got big big ambitions of what I want to achieve, um, and with that, I have to work with the right type of players. And I don't mean oh, just give me the top ten in the world. Let me do that. That's kind of a bit of a cheat. Whereas I take pride in going. Yeah. Marcus was rock bottom twelve months ago. Look at where he is. Coops was a challenge tour player when we started working. He's now a European tour player. Gandhi. 
is to be fair, we <laughs> he, he started working with us at the beginning of this year, and he's kind of he's had some good experiences at European tour level, but now we're working on some bigger picture stuff to take him on. Yeah. Uh, so those sort of successes and the ones before underpin were big, um, but for underpin the business, yeah, we want we want to grow the stable. We want to be operating, having our players who aren't European tour level yet moving up through the ranks. We want to take on more European tour players. Um, and who knows, um, some of those may step across the pond into America. Um, quite like America, so I won't mind venturing over there. <laughs> hey, hey, Duncan, do you know what's, what's gone on here? We've had a bit of a mad one here. I thought you were here to recruit us. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not what's happening now? <laughs> I think you'd seen that with my swing and thought, I need to get, need to get anyone in the stable. <laughs> I'll, I'll call you, Matt. I'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, no, it's been um, it's been brilliant. And I wouldn't mind if we could just schedule another one of these in maybe 12 months and just see how the stable's getting on or how yeah. Underpin has grew in, in, in the um, in the, in the in the year that we've, that's going to pass, do you know what I mean? Or whatever, yeah. six months. Yeah. That's not a problem at all. Yeah. You like to just let us know when, whenever you want to do something, just give us a shout. It's easy enough, yeah. isn't it? Knock on a call and whatever. And we, we've actually had, we've, got, we've done one of these with Chris Hansen as well. I don't know if you've seen on our profile. It's not out yet, but it, we no, have done one. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, no, I haven't listened to it. No wonder I haven't. Yeah, I saw that yeah. you Yeah, it's not out yet, yeah. Thanks. But, you know, one more little thing I'll say, and I don't know if you, you might want to use this as one of your little bits of advice to put to players. You can say, you are your own boss. And so would your boss let you have your phone on? You didn't work. And you say, no. So why are you letting yourself? I just thought of that then. It's true. No, no, yeah. yeah. Wis- no. Kev's wisdom, as usual, yeah. trying to through. Hold on, let me write that down. Get that written down now. <laughs> it's true. No, you're right. You are right, though. It's um, it's the same with, you'd always make it, you'd always honour a meeting with someone else. But why would you not honour a meeting with yourself? Like, Nothing. go to the gym. If you put that in, if you were meeting a mate there, you'd always go, you wouldn't let them down. But yeah. doing it by yourself, it's like, do you not think enough of yourself? to honour that commitment. And it's the same with switching your phone off for a yeah. practice session or around the golf. I've seen, lads I've worked with have had some right bollockings off me. If I've seen them and they've had the phone out, oh, oh, mm. unbelievable. Because I know if, if they were in a session with me and I'm like this, yeah, it's good, that nice one. Be fuming. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you don't know who they're speaking to. They could be speaking to the bird who's doing the reading and then it's going to affect the performance. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly that. Yeah, I know it does my it does my head in sometimes the phone, it gets in the way. Um I've had I've had sessions before where I've actually had it was younger ones um a few years ago where they're literally on the phone in the session. Fucking hell. Was I, there was one time where we are doing it and we're just chatting and we're literally at a table like this, and they're just writing uh, I'm writing some notes down and they've picked up the phone and they're on it. And then I've just I've picked my stuff up and I've gone. Superb. Catch you later. Not, uh, are we finished? We've only, we've only just started. Well, no, no, it's all right, because your phone's a better place to be than this session. Yeah. He, he, did, he had nothing to say. And I was like, that phone ever comes out on the top of this table ever again or in a session of mine, we're not working together. Right, oh, though, isn't it? Right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Need that discipline, say. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he now works in a phone shop. No, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. 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 Brilli
Yeah, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Lads. Next time you're down, like SNA form, we all will. If you're around here, we'll have to come and have a, have a game. Yeah, let yeah. us know when you're up this way. We'll have a knock. And we're doing it, um, a Bogey Boys golf day there. If you fancy coming down for it, I don't know if Tom Gandhi said he'll come and play. So I don't know if you want to come and get involved in that. We're just going to do like a charity day dinner and a um, little do thing afterwards at Form Bureau probably next year. So we'll keep, we'll put you on the list anyway. 100% do that. Yeah. Do that definitely. Um, yeah. That the quality. And I'll, yeah. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hit you up if I'm over at SNA, but it might not be for a few months. It's flipping freezing. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Stay indoors for now. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, but look, cheers, it, mate. mate. Yeah, appreciate it, mate, honestly. Thanks a lot for your time, and we'll catch Thanks up. Thanks for your time. It's boss chatting to you. Pleasure, lads. Pleasure. Take it easy. You take See care, you mate. See you, lads. Bye. Thank you.